So I've been an international relations professor for my career, and I study global trends, the big global things like war and peace, the state of the world economy, and those kinds of things. But what brought me to this topic really was my children, and especially my son, who became a climate activist when he was about 12 years old, and then got elected to the Massachusetts legislature when he was 22 years old, and has been hitting me over the head for you know about five years to uh, drop everything and work on climate change. That's the issue that his generation cared about. And so uh, eventually, you know, like a good parent, I obeyed and uh, started to look at climate change seriously. I mean, it is the big global trend. It is the big issue. And it has a, a good-sized international relations component in it because it's one of those problems where what one country does affects everybody else. Um, and you cannot control your own destiny as a sovereign nation state. Um, so putting all those pieces together, I, I stopped looking at war and the economy and those things so much and started to really focus on climate change. If you want the solution to climate change to add up, you need vast amounts of new clean electricity. You need something that scales up really quickly in uh, large quantities. So I found that Sweden and France decades ago had put in nuclear power, which I wasn't even aware of, and that they'd added clean energy really fast doing that. France, just in 15 years, took out the fossil fuels from their electricity system and put in nuclear power. And that's the kind of thing we need. Large amounts of electricity, carbon-free, really fast, and nuclear is the obvious choice to get there. So renewables have been coming on strong in the last decade. Actually, the world has spent $2 trillion in the last decade on renewables. Um, and yet it hasn't actually dropped carbon emissions, which is the thing we care about. And there's a few problems with renewables, although they're coming along and getting very cheap. Um, the two big problems are, number one, you can't store the energy from an intermittent source. And so maybe you can make a battery big enough and cheap enough, although no one has yet, to store sunlight overnight when it's always dark. But my co-author studied uh, the European energy system and found that there was an entire week of the year when neither solar nor wind was producing. So if you're relying on those, what are you going to do during that, during that week? And um, you can put in fossil fuel backup, but then you've got an entire fossil fuel infrastructure um, sitting there 51 weeks of the year that you can't use. So the intermittency is a big problem with the renewables. The other problem is that um, they don't scale up fast enough. Basically, they're not concentrated energy sources. Um, so uh, as fast as you can put in solar and wind, they've only been, and we've been putting them in really fast, but they've only been sort of taking up the slack of the growth of world energy, not displacing the fossil fuels. So as long as we keep burning those fossil fuels, we're putting more carbon in the air. We need something that grows so fast that we actually displace the fossil fuels. And nuclear power can grow five times as fast as renewables can. At least that's what we found comparing what Sweden and France had done with what Germany's done with renewables. The, the wrap on nuclear power is too dangerous. The truth is it's by far the safest of all the fuels. All the fuels have upside and downside risks and benefits. And I would like nuclear to be treated in the same way as a, one of the fuels that has risks and benefits to it. But overall, over 60 years, nuclear power has hardly ever killed anybody. Whereas coal, which is the predominant fuel we use to make electricity in the world today, and it's growing still, um, kills something like a million people every year.
that's a million people a year, and we've had one serious lethal nuclear accident at Chernobyl. That was very bad, but it killed somewhere between 50 people and maybe a few thousand. And even if you take the, the wildest estimates of you know people who say, no, it killed 150,000 people, it's still so much less than coal. That's one in 60 years. Fukushima didn't kill anybody. Three Mile Island didn't kill anybody. So it's actually proved itself very safe. As for the waste disposal, the big thing people don't understand is how small the quantities of waste are from nuclear, especially compared to coal again. You know, 50,000 times less waste per kilowatt hour from nuclear than from coal. So we take the coal waste and we dump it in big pits by the river um, and it gets into the groundwater and it leaches out and it causes all kinds of harm. It's got arsenic, lead, mercury, and these last forever. We take the nuclear waste, which is 50,000 times smaller, and we put it in dry casks out behind the plant to cool off. And although some of the elements have very long half-lives, it's not forever like lead and mercury. So eventually, uh, over time, it cools off and gets safer and safer. So nuclear power is very expensive now, way too expensive in the cases where the United States and Europe are trying to build new first-of-a-kind first of reactors, new designs, and these big builds on site, lots of concrete, um, designs changing midway through the build, regulations changing, people lying in front of bulldozers. You've got a lot of stuff going on. And, we, and this is coming after several decades when we basically stopped building reactors. And to put it bluntly, we've kind of forgotten how. So that is way too expensive. It's true. It's about um, 8 to $12 billion to make a gigawatt of nuclear capacity in the United States and Europe now. Way too high. South Korea and China, on the other hand, have standardized designs built repeatedly, especially South Korea recently, and they've brought that cost down to $2 billion. So, you know, a sixth of what it costs in the United States. And that's from just standard and standardize and replicate um, building the same thing over and over again. The first product off an assembly line is always the most expensive. You know, like the first iPhone was a couple billion dollars, I think. And then, you know, as you build, build over and over again, it comes down in cost. 